Hey there, and welcome into the pickle jar. This is Jill, and I am so excited to have our guest Courtney here today. Courtney is coming to us from Nevada, and she's going to share her journey with Addison's disease with us. Now, before I let Courtney, you know, introduce herself and welcome her here, um, I'm just going to forewarn you. I'm having a little bit of an Addison's day today, and um, it's very, very hot here in Southern Ontario right now. Temperatures with humidity are kind of, you know, about over a hundred degrees and it's just kind of wreaking havoc on my, my electrolytes right now. So, um, so if I seem a little, um, like the connections aren't quite working today, I think, um, for those of you who are listening with, um, Addison's disease kind of know what I get. So please bear with me. <laughs> and, um, but I really wanted to bring Courtney here today because she has amazing energy and an amazing story. And she has a very unique little twist to her story on her diagnosis, which I know you are going to find very, very interesting and how she was actually directed into the, you know, the possibility that she had primary Addison's disease. So a little bit about Courtney is she is 38 years old and I already mentioned she lives in Nevada and she has two children. And our stories are very parallel in terms of um, the age that Courtney was diagnosed and the age that her children were and that she very much felt, you know, when things kind of started to change a little bit for her, that, you know, just kind of chalked it up to life and stress and kind of, you know, kind of the lifestyle thing of, of being a busy parent. So, well, obviously something was going on with her when symptoms kind of started to um, kind of progress with her with weight loss and different things like that and her hyperpigmentation. So, We'll let Courtney share with you her story. So Courtney, thank you so much for joining us today and taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here in the pickle jar. So thank you again. I'm excited to be here. All right, well, let's get started. So why don't you start, start at the beginning. When did, when was, um, just, you know what, just start wherever you feel comfortable with your journey and, um, you know, your health and what progressed you to your diagnosis. Okay, that sounds good. Start. So it started in uh, April of 2021. I remember starting to feel really tired, and um, at that point, I was start. I had started to lose weight, and for me, that was really unusual because I've always, even after having the, my two kids, I always resumed a pretty stable weight, no matter what I did. Um, I'm a dietitian by trade. And so I, you know, very in tune with what I'm eating and what my exercise is like. And so for me to lose weight was the first unusual sign that started to show up. Um, but, you know, being in April of 2021, we were, gosh, about a year into the pandemic at that point. We were still not back in school yet. And so I just chalked it up to, it's just stress. It's just overwhelming right now. It's just a lot of things going on. Um, so I carried on and continued with all my responsibilities and taking care of the kids and stuff. And um, I remember telling myself, I went on a trip and at, that was towards the end of May. And I told myself, if I come back from this vacation, lower in weight than I was before that I continued to lose weight, then I'll go to the doctor. And, um, so I went on a vacation and I thought, well, I'm going to eat what I want to eat. And for sure, I'm not going to lose any more weight. And sure enough, I came back and I had lost a few more pounds. So <clears throat> I went into the doctor and, um, 
explain my symptoms. I was also at this point feeling really fatigued. Um, like I would take the girls to school and come home and have to be ready. I mean, I'd have to lay down and take a nap is like all I could do to get home in the car without getting too sleepy. So I was feeling the fatigue and I was feeling, um, or seeing the weight loss. And, um, so went into the doctor, the first place we checked was my thyroid. I had pre-existing Hashimoto's, um, that was diagnosed after my first pregnancy. So that was the first place we looked and, um, we did blood work and found that my thyroid labs were a little bit off. And, um, so he sent me in for an ultrasound and that ultrasound found a nodule. So that nodule led to a biopsy and I actually had to have two biopsies done to confirm, but they actually found papillary carcinoma, which is one of the most common forms of thyroid cancer. So that sent me down a path to the oncology uh, center and um, met with the surgeon and we discussed the pros and cons of, of all the options. And I ended up going with a surgery to remove part of my thyroid. So I only removed half of it, the half that was affected, left the other half in. And um, that fast forward was in August. So between May, the end of May, when I first went in and in, in, in August, we were just looking at the thyroid as the culprit of why I was feeling the way I was feeling. And meanwhile, throughout the summer, you know, we had, the summer had gone by and another theme started to crop up and that was my skin color. Everybody kept telling me how tan I looked and where have you been? Have you been by the beach? Where have you been tanning? You know, I just getting all sorts of comments about my skin color. And I hadn't been doing anything out of the ordinary because I wasn't feeling very good for one. So I wasn't we weren't traveling really. We, I wasn't, you know, laying around by the pool somewhere. And, um, but that was the other theme. It was just very prominent. So weight loss, um, skin color was changing fatigue. Um, and then I was starting to get a little bit of like decreased appetite, um, a little bit of nausea. So had, I had the surgery for my thyroid and went back in for my um, follow-up appointment, actually, no, I was, let me backtrack. In that time, I was getting little uh, dark spots on my skin also throughout that summer. So I was seeing a dermatologist and we were treating it like aging spots. So we were like, I had a couple up on my forehead and we were trying to treat those and remove, you know, get them to lighten up in color. And I went in to see her after I had my thyroid surgery and I asked, do you think my skin color has anything to do with my thyroid surgery? Like, am I still a little off on my thyroid hormones and labs? Do you think there's anything to do with that? And she said, I don't know. Let me, let me check with my colleagues. So she checked with some dermatology colleague, dermatology colleagues and um, got back to me and said, we're going to order some blood work. So I went in for labs and they ran a cortisol and an ACTH. And that was when we first realized that it was not my thyroid really. That was the problem. It was my adrenal glands. My ACTH was in the thousands and my cortisol was 
nearly zero. Wow. I absolutely love that. Like the first person I've heard of people being diagnosed through their vets because veterinarians know a lot about Addison's disease because it is very common and especially in dogs. Um, but yeah, no, the fact that your dermatologist <laughs> was able to direct you when you were seeing an endocrinologist, but already for, you know, the thyroid issues and, um, you know, and that they didn't pick up on the hyperpigmentation change. And, you know, like you said, they just thought, you know what, you weren't feeling well, they found the first issue, which was the thyroid cancer and treated that thinking that was going to resolve your problems, but it didn't, the symptoms just kind of progressed and possibly, you know, um, the stress of just possibly the surgery might've progressed your symptoms and the hyperpigmentation a little bit further. Now, um, you can watch these episodes on YouTube and I'm going to ask you, Courtney, you do have a darker complexion now. Is that a normal complexion for you? Or is that something that's remained from the hyperpigmentation or is that just your beautiful glowing tan now? I tend to be a little darker complected okay. naturally. Um, I seem to tan a lot. Like when I, this summer, I also was getting the same comments again about how dark my skin was. And while now, you know, my Addison's is, is regulated and we're on, you know, treated. I, I think it's just kind of something that I'll deal with is that my, my skin is just going to be a little bit darker. And in the summer months, it gets really dark. <laughs> Cause I know, um, you know, my dad had primary Addison's disease and from, because his ACTH was like, cause you, you mentioned your ACTH was extremely high. Um, and my dad, his must've been as well. And I was told that he remained dark for the rest of his life with a darker complexion because, um, partly because the brain, the pituitary just isn't going to stop producing that ACTH. It, it might always produce it because it's kind of in that panic mode. Um, and then that his, it might just be kind of stuck in his skin cells too, that it was kind of stuck and kept him with that dark, that kind of dark skin tone as well. So um, that might be a possibility too, but yes, you have a, a lovely glow to you. So, Well, I always, that was something that my, when I did finally get the Addison's figured out, that was kind of the, um, the positive way to look at the situation yeah. was yeah. that I will have a nice tan probably throughout the entire year, even in the middle of the winter. <laughs> well, and I know personally that when I'm having a bad week, like, um, I will notice it in the palm of my hands. I can see that hormone kind of start to produce again from my brain and I can start to see my skin tone change a little bit. And I've even had my kids comment before my daughters, they're like, uh, mom, you're starting to get a little dark. I think maybe you should take some extra hydrocortisone. <laughs> so, so it's kind of like a, you know, like a little warning lights kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. So you had that blood work done and the dermatologists, um, were able to point you in the right direction. So what, what happened after that? When, um, when you finally had, you know, it must've been very frustrating. You just went through, you know, the, the thyroid removal and now, and now you're faced with something else. So what, what were you told about initially about what Addison's disease was and kind of, you know, how did they walk you down that new road, that new path you were going on? I remember the dermatologist wouldn't really tell me anything. Um, they had, they were the ones that ran the labs and the labs came back out of whack, but she wouldn't really tell me like when I asked her, what is this, what's going on with this? Um, she wouldn't really she, you know, kind of said, we're going to have to defer to the endocrinologist. So 
I went um, a couple weeks before I went back in to see my endocrinologist as a follow-up appointment from the surgery. So this is now like in the beginning of September. I went back in to see my dermatologist or the endocrinologist and he had gotten the blood work sent over to him by that point. And he said, he took one look and he said, that's Addison's disease. You have Addison's disease based off of your skin color, based off of your blood work, you have Addison's disease. And um, it was kind of funny because I was at, at that appointment, there was, a, it's at a teaching hospital at the University of Utah, um, Huntsman, their, their cancer center up there. And um, so there's a lot of residents and medical students there. And um, so he gathered up some residents and medical students and brought them into the room with me and just pointed out, this is what Addison's disease looks like. If you see this, these symptoms in, in your patients, you need to be looking at their adrenal function. Um, the other piece that they looked at as a, as a comparison point was uh, the color of my scars. Mm -hmm. So I had had a C-section in 2017, and then I had the thyroid scar on my neck. So that, that was a pre and post Addison scar. And you can tell the difference in the color of the scarring as far as when the Addison's kicked in. So, um, I just, you know, they were taking notes and they were, you know, he was pointing out all these different things, classical symptoms to be looking for this, the pigmentation spots on my face and my ears. Um, I guess your ears are a really common spot to be looking for, um, signs of Addison's disease. So um, anyways, that was kind of interesting. So then that's when the treatment started with the uh, steroids. Uh, so I started on prednisone and fludrocortisone. So um, now, now looking back in hindsight, obviously, like you mentioned, you're a dietitian by trade. Mm -hmm. uh, you cared for your body prior to diagnosis. Like you were very in tune. You said when the weight loss happened, you knew things based on your lifestyle. It was very routine and very you know, well-managed that you knew something was off. How essential, how critical do you think that was in your diagnosis and not, and like I said, you and I have had, you know, very similar um, travels in our lives. And I feel that, you know, being in the wellness and the fitness industry, and I have a degree in nutrition and all that stuff and being so in tune and caring for my body prior diagnosis, as soon as things kind of got out of whack, it was red flags. I knew something was going on. So how, you know, how critical do you think that was that prevented you from getting to where many people get with their Addison's diagnosis, which is near death? I think it's huge. I think being in tune with my body and knowing that I was seeing weight loss when I never really saw, I mean, I was very stable and I was so tired all the time. I think, you know, the, the fatigue part, I'll admit, I chalked it up to just being a mom and working and being busy and we're in the pandemic. So life is just crazy and hectic as it is. But the weight loss piece I knew was something off. And I feel like had I not been in tune with my body and, and know that that was off, I probably would have ridden that out and thought, Oh, this is nice. I'm starting to lose some weight. I, you know, I haven't lost this much weight in ever. And, you know, like I think other people might get caught in that trap of, you know, wow, I'm, I'm not really doing anything and I'm losing weight and, yeah. you know, 
Um, I got to, I, the lowest point that I got to was 106 pounds and that was about a 25 pound weight loss. Right. Okay. So, I mean, by that point, that was like at the end at surgery point and beyond and diagnosis, that's when I was at that low, but, um, throughout that process, it was, had I not been in tune, it would have been like, wow, coming up into the summer months and I'm down 10 pounds, you know, but I knew that that wasn't normal for me because I, you know, I knew that that something was off. Yeah. And I know, I know when, um, like you mentioned the fatigue and everything like that. And I, I know a big red flag for me when in my diagnosis was I finally did the math of the extra hours I was sleeping in a day and I was sleeping, you know, like 15 hours a day. And when I did the math, I'm like, I'm like, I'm sleeping like an extra six weeks out of the year. That's not right. That, you know, I, I was 35. That's not normal. That was a huge red flag that, you know what, trust what's going on with your body and trust what your body's trying to tell you. Um, I know when, when we spoke earlier, um, before the podcast, I had written in my notes that you had, you know, you had used the words, the human body is amazing. And the human body is amazing and it's amazing throughout our diagnosis and it can be amazing after our diagnosis as well. So, so once you were officially diagnosed and put on your, your prednisone and, and all that stuff to get you back, back on track, what, what is, um, what is it the path been like since then? Um, I would definitely say it's a rebuilding. It's been a rebuilding path for the last two years. Um, yeah, so it's been just about two years since I was diagnosed. So it's been a building path, like rebuilding my strength in that weight loss. I lost a lot of muscle mass and I was, you know, nor a normal, consistent exerciser. And I stopped because I just didn't have the extra energy and I didn't want to be burning any extra calories because I was losing weight. And, um, so I got very weak in that process. And so the last two years have been a rebuilding to get back into the groove with consistent exercise and be in a phase where I'm rebuilding that muscle mass that I lost. Um, I'd say it's also been a, a mindset shift too, because I've experienced weight regain in the process. Like I regained that weight that I lost. And so, you know, knowing that, yes, that was, I have to get back up to where I normally function and, and where I was normally living around, but, um, even a little bit beyond that at this point. Um, so I've, you know, rebuilding and getting focused on strength training and, um, it's not all about like seven days a week at the gym, hitting it hard. It's, like I have to listen to my body and I have to do lower impact exercises too, like walking or yoga. Um, I can't do the high, super high impact stuff as much anymore because it's more added stress right. on the body. Right. Uh, and I love that you use the words rebuild because I think a lot of people forget that once, you know, they are diagnosed where they're starting from and what their body's been through. The body's amazing and it brought you up to that point. But our bodies are exhausted and some people are get very, very sick. And, mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned you had to rebuild and you didn't even get to the point of a crisis at the end. You were diagnosed before that point. Your body was obviously in extreme stress because your ACTH was so high. Um, but you recognize, and another thing I often hear people say too, is that, you know, 
about the weight gain. I'm glad, so glad you mentioned that you, your body needs to go back to wherever it was normal. And that's a sign of your body's healing and it's resetting itself. And some people forget that they've been sick for years and they might have had that weight loss and that wasting for possibly, you know, five, 10 years. And it's okay to gain weight back. You want to gain strength. You want to gain that energy back. So, mm-hmm. um, so what kind of steps did you take? Like you mentioned, you know, not impact and kind of rechanging your, um, your definition of, of your lifestyle. So what kind of things, what do you remember about those, you know, the frustrations and everything that you went through trying to get back to, to rebuilding yourself? Yeah. Um, I remember first, you know, first and foremost, remembering, how important stress management is because, you know, cortisol is our stress response hormone. And without that, I really had to learn how to manage my stress. And that meant letting go of things that, you know, didn't serve me well anymore or not worrying about it. If it's not something I can control, then I'm not going to waste my energy stressing about it because it's not, it's not good for me. So I remember, you know, and I still to this day, like stress management is huge for me. Um, sleep is really important for me, getting good quality sleep where I'm, you know, in bed at a certain time and keeping a consistent sleep routine so that my body can get into, you know, be in a normal rhythm, yep. you know, with sleep and that affects our cortisol levels and adrenal function. And, um, and then with uh, diet, you know, I remember also the funny thing was the endocrinologist told me to follow a high salt diet. And as a dietitian, I'm thinking like, what do you mean? Like that is so opposite of everything that I preach and everything I practice. And he said, no, it's different for you now. You need the extra sodium. Um, so I shifted my mindset around adding salt to my food or eating higher salt foods, because it's something my body needs. And we're all different. And um, so just because it's not maybe what everybody needs to do, it's what I need to do. Um, And outside of that, that was like kind of the big major change I made dietary wise, like I still focused on eating a lot of vegetables, a lot of lean proteins, you know, fruits, healthy fats, whole grains, I kind of kept that part the same. But I'm not afraid to add a little salt to my food either or add the pickle to my plate or, you yeah. know. <laughs> so, so basically you went, you went back to the basics. It was start moving again, fuel your mm-hmm. body with good nutrition and then work on your mental health. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's yep. funny when you were talking about that, the, you know, you know, the whole salt thing kind of going against what you, you know, preach to your clients and different things like that. My daughters were in health class when they were, I think in like grade four or five. And of course the teachers teaching them about low sodium diets. And, and, you know, I get my, my daughters coming home saying they had an argument with their teacher today that some people, some people (laughs) need a lot of salt and the teacher did not understand that. (laughs) So, so it is, it is one of those things. Definitely. So um, so what kind of things are you accomplishing now with your exercise? So let's kind of fast forward from you started to rebuild. Now, where are you today with your exercise, with giving yourself that patience and making progress and not expecting perfection in yourself? Mm-hmm. And so where are you now, which, you know, a couple of years later? Yeah. So I am, I work with a, a virtual trainer. Um, she has group group fitness. And, um, she's very good about 
allowing us to do what is best for our body. And so if she's teaching something that I don't feel comfortable with or feels too hard that day, or I'm just not feeling the energy, yep. I modify it to be what, what works for me. Um, I will say in general, I focus um, at least three days a week on strength training. And um, the other days of the week, I focus on lower impact um, yoga or walking or um, just body weight type exercises. And um, I feel good. I feel really good at where I'm at right now. My energy levels feel good. Um, I feel strong. I feel, you know, back. I'm not even, well, I, I will say I feel better than I did before I was diagnosed because I was, my body was still, it was kicking in well before I, in that April, I mean, yeah. it was, that was finally at the point where my body started to say, okay, enough need enough. something yeah. about this. Yeah. So who knows how long I'd been dealing with it before then. Um, but now with being on the medication and um, getting all the, you know, getting the other lifestyle pieces in place, I feel really good with where I'm at. And I think Addison's doesn't have to be a, a negative piece to our life. It's part of our story. And yes, I feel very blessed that I've had the experience that I've had, I have avoided crisis, avoided adrenal crisis or Addison's crisis disease, <laughs> plural. I don't know how you say that. Um, and I, I think it's, you know, just taking my time, being patient, letting my body rest when it needs to rest. Um, and just knowing that it's, it's part of me now, it's going to be with me forever. And so I've got to work with it. I can't yeah. work against it. No. And I think you're right. When we focus on, um, you know, finding, finding a way to kind of, like you said, it's just part of us now, you kind of flow better with it. You know, we try not to create the resistance of negativity with it. You know, we're all human. We're all allowed to have our moments, but, but most of the time I always live life by that 80, 20 rule, right? Try 80% of the time, be positive 80% of the time, eat well, 20% of the time it's, it's, you know, it's yeah. a French fries, right? So, yeah, um, I right. I, I actually use that a lot right? in, my, in my work. Yeah. Right. So um, now you also had a really big accomplishment this summer as well with some, a fitness activity as well. Right. So can you share that with us? Yeah. It's very, um, very exciting. It, it is. And it just goes to show that it's still possible. Your goals are still possible after a diagnosis of Addison's. So um, I completed a uh, 22 mile bike ride this summer. And um, to some avid cyclists, 22 miles is like a little, a little short training ride, but that was a big accomplishment for me because it was part of my diagnosis story. So I attempted the bike ride in 2021. It was in June of 2021. So April, I started not feeling good. In the middle of June is when I found out about the thyroid cancer. I'd already signed up for the bike ride. So I was like, I'm just going to do it anyways. Right. Take my mind off of things. I'm going to do it. And um, I made it six miles into the ride and had to stop. I just hit a wall with my energy. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't go any further. And um, so then the second year, so 2022, I went back to that bike ride again, 
and I finished it, but it was tough. It was hard. I, it took me a long time to finish it, but I, I finished it. And then this year in, in 2023, um, I've been very consistent with exercise for the year. I would say between those two bike rides, the one piece that stayed really consistent was I focused a lot on my strength, rebuilding strength. Mm-hmm. And this year I did the bike ride and um, I shaved off about an hour of my time and did it, you know, I was prepared. I had electrolytes with me. I, you know, planned ahead, prepared and took extra fluid cortisone to help out. You know, I, I dosed up to, to manage that extra distance and I finished it and it felt, it felt good. It felt really, it was really empowering to know that we can still do things with Addison's disease. It's, it's, it's not like life stops. Yeah. And, and I think that's such an important message, um, with your story and with you sharing with us, because, you know, some people listening might be, you know, at that entry level ground floor rebuilding stage. Right. And they have to, you know, it's been a couple of years. It's not going to happen overnight, but you need to do it with all the things that Courtney mentioned. It's not just about, you know, exercise and cortisol. It's about nutrition. It's about your mental health. There's a lot of things that there's so many things that we have control over. We got like control of like 90% of this illness. We just got to take power in it and put the effort towards it. And step-by-step Courtney is an amazing role model to show, you know, where you can go when you, when you do that, like when you're mindful, when you find balance, when um, you're prepared, you, you plan, you set goals and you, you know, you reevaluate and you just keep moving forward with it. You make that progress but don't expect yourself to be perfect at it. Just make some type of progress with it. Yeah. Right. So is there anything else that, you know, that's going on in your world right now that, you know, do you have any more bike rides planned or anything like that coming up? So not for the year. Um, uh, we just did a, we had a little 5k, um, that I did a couple weeks ago, but as far as of the other events, um, we're winding down into the, the cooler months and winter months. So I'll just stay indoors. Um, or, you know, we go skiing. We like to go skiing. That was also a first that I did last year after diagnosis was we went skiing. Um, so yeah, just going to keep keep plugging away. And then next year I'll be next summer, be doing the bike ride again. And I might even try to step it up and do the next, the next distance is 32 miles. So, um, I might try it. Amazing. It's exactly the story I needed to hear today on a hot, humid day here in Ontario. When I I think I'm retaining about eight pounds of water and (laughs) (laughs) everything is just out of whack for me today, but you know what, but, but that's okay. So Courtney, thank you so much for sharing with us today. I am so thankful. And your story, like I said, you, you're an amazing role model of what, what can happen with somebody when they're diagnosed with adrenal insufficiency, if they're feeling, you know, you know, kind of lost and just, you know, just really frustrated that they're not going to get back to that, you know, that you're just going to be a new version of yourself. And, Mm -hmm. um, and you know what, and I think you'll be amazed. One thing I do love, love about this illness, if I can use that word, is it's, it's really, you know, I took care of my body prior to diagnosis, but it's really made me take care of my body now. And that has led to, you know, 
a lot of other health benefits as well, right? Because I'm a lot more in tune with my body and it, it's led me down a very pos- positive path. So, so Courtney, thank you again for sharing with us today. Yeah. And I wish you well, and I would love to hear more about your journey and your bike rides and everything that you're, you're going to have going on with your Addison. So thank you so much. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. And if you're interested in sharing your story here in the pickle jar, you can go to my website, chroniclyfitcanada.com and you can sign up for a little chat and I can fill you in on all the details. So Courtney, again, thank you again so much for coming to us from Nevada. And until next time, please be well, my pickles. Mm -hmm.